another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Pugar. Kevin, it was a great weekend at Penn State and for basketball and for wrestling and even hockey and also volleyball. You know, they're they're ranked number one in their in their respective sport now. But after that, and we'll get to that here later in the podcast, but the most important thing right now is Michael Shrewsbury. Is he going? Is he staying? Is he what's he doing? Uh and right now he's been linked to jobs at in Providence. He has been linked to the Georgetown opening, which was closed. Um and he's also linked and in talks with, according to reports, Notre Dame. Obviously Notre Dame is not like those, but also Penn State isn't like those either. Right? So now it's coming down to What's it going to take to keep Shrewsbury in Happy Valley? Yeah, and not to be dramatic, but literally the future of the program hangs in the balance. If he stays, the program can continue this momentum. We may have another tournament run next year or in two years. But if he leaves, this program's decimated. This is back to square one. You have to wonder if somebody like Akeba Jai, if Kanye Clary, if Evan Mahaffey, all leave, and then the program's left with no one. Um, yeah, I think Notre Dame is the most likely if he's going to leave, um, according to some of the other reports out there, or the rumors, I should say, at this point in time, is that Pat Kraft has made his pitch. Here's the offer. If you want it, take it. And I think Notre Dame is actively courting him as we speak, and we'll see what comes of it. Uh, traditionally a better basketball program is Notre Dame. But if you ask me where they are now versus, you know, Penn State versus Notre Dame now, I think you have to, you have to, you'd have to heavily consider the recent successes. Yeah. And I think that matters. But at the same time, Shrewsbury proved that it doesn't take long to build a winner. He won fairly, fairly well first year. And that was a whole different roster. This year makes it to the tournament, wins against AM in a, in a game where they were lights out. So with the transfer portal, teams aren't as far away as they once were. But it, it's what do you want to do? Because they've got a good group coming back. Kanye Clary, Kevin Jai, Jamil Brown, Evan Mahaffey. Like they've got some good dudes coming back. And they're all young, really. You know, Seth Lundy has the option to come back. But at the same time, you've got a good nucleus plus the recruiting that they've done at Penn State. But it, I think, to be perfectly honest with you, it's going to come down to a few things. Investing in the program, which is something that Penn State really hasn't done uh, for basketball in quite some time, if not ever. And, I mean, investing in that and, and the staff and the facilities, the physical facilities, I mean, the Bryce Jordan Center is the Bryce Jordan Center. When that place is filled, it's a great place to watch a basketball game. But how often is it filled, right? They were lucky enough later in the season to get the curtains pulled back in certain sections in the upper level. But you've got to look at that. But I think the biggest thing that's going to keep Michael Shrewsbury in Happy Valley is NIL. And and it's really weird to to kind of say paying players. Well, that's that's recruiting now. It's the transfer portal, which he's done a great job, phenomenal job, getting guys like that to to come in and be with him. Now, he's from the Midwest. He's from Indiana. 
Notre Dame, you know, that's a big thing in the Midwest. Obviously, Penn State fans tend to disagree, but I think we can all agree that Notre Dame is is a premier program. Now, again, Mike Bray retired-ish, and now he's at U, uh, South Florida, uh, which is really, really weird. But, hey, to each their own. It's just kind of one of those situations where now let's see what's going to happen. I, I'm sure that what he was offered was competitive, but as we saw towards the end of the season, NIL started to pick up uh, quite a bit for, for Penn state basketball. I'm not quite sure of what Notre Dame has to offer in that area, but you know, damn well money isn't an issue in Notre Dame. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the uh, NIL stuff, uh, Kenny Pickett and Andrew, Kenny Pickett. Wow. Look at me. Uh, Jalen Pickett and Andrew Funk's NIL store merch was pretty sick. Um, I, the circumstances around Bray leaving Notre Dame are kind of weird. He's there for what, 20, 25 years, something like that. I mean, guys made a full career there and all of a sudden he just steps down. He doesn't retire. I don't know if it was that a... he was retiring and I was like, mm, wait, I, I kind of want to coach again. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like a, Hey, fake retire, step down, whatever you want to do, or we fire you situation. I don't know what's going on there. So obviously that's probably something Shrewsbury has to consider is what, what was going on in the program that made Bray leave. But yeah, from a pure basketball job perspective, obviously Notre Dame is going to be the more attractive one, but if Kraft can show, you know, that they're making that adequate in a significant step in funding the basketball program and committing to it, Financially, they're going to have to commit to it. And then it's probably not to be discounted. His son, Braden, plays at State College High, obviously, because he's, his dad lives in State College. Um, does he really like Penn State? Does he want to go play at Notre Dame? You know, his son might have some pull there, too. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that dynamic shakes out. Yeah, and that's a good, that's a good point. You know, obviously, family is a factor here. Does he want to raise a kid in South Bend, Indiana? Does he want to raise a kid in State College, Pennsylvania? It's just one of those deals. And it sucks that we have to talk about this because it's really unfortunate. They just won a game in the tournament for the first time since 2001. They beat Texas A&M in what was an absolute beatdown. They lose a close one to Texas. And we're here not talking about that. We're talking about whether Shrewsbury is going to say where whether he should go, and that's and it's, and it sucks. But also, you know, you kind of you can look at this full circle, right? He's good friends with James Franklin. We go through this all the time with James Franklin, and and we have for quite some time. So this could be a bargaining chip to get some more money, where he might not be looking to go another place, like say USC, like James Franklin tended to do um but this could just be used as a bargaining chip which isn't always a bad thing either it's just what are his intentions is he going to stay i mean they got a good kind of like i said they good they have a good group coming back it's just how, how do you want this to go again roster doesn't matter he showed that the other he showed that last year and this year right hit the portal they found andrew funk he found cameron winter he found he's found studs and when you're able to do that, you know, the, the portal's the portal's a game changer um, in, in a lot of good ways, the bad ways too, you know, and that's, that's a factor, but so too is the NIL. And it's going to come down to 
yeah, I think Penn State could afford Shrewsbury. I, th- I think they can afford paying his assistance. But where is Penn State NIL compared to, say, Notre Dame? Uh, because let's be real, and this is no disrespect to, to Georgetown or Princeton, or I'm sorry, Providence, but they're not Penn State. They're not Notre Dame. Those, I think, would be a step down. Uh, in my opinion, now Georgetown, if it was in the eighties or early nineties, yeah, it's a little different. Uh, the Big East was still a thing. Yeah. But uh, again, it's just one of those situations. Well, let's see what happens. And, and hopefully it's done sooner rather than later, because this is a big week for Penn state uh, for recruiting. Uh, they have a couple guys coming to campus uh, from the portal. Josh Cohen, who is the center forward at St. Francis is going up there. He was averaging over 20, 20 points a game in the NEC and was the guy was able to see him play and he, he was pretty dominant. Um, but you know, wrap this, wrap this decision up. Should he stay? Should he go? You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not Michael Shrewsbury, but the way that Penn state has bought in and Pat Kraft, I, I think they're going to back up the drinks truck as best they can to provide him with what he needs to succeed. I don't know, you know, long-term, will he be at Penn State? Maybe not. But I do know that it's easier to lose at Penn State than it would be at Notre Dame. Yeah, and I hope – it's it's the unfortunate reality of college athletics that the coaches are always able to leave. The kids are now able to leave everywhere. So – um We'll talk about the actual games that happened this weekend, but we don't want to take away anything, any accomplishments that they had. It's just the unfortunate, and that unfortunate reality of it. And I do hope, I do hope it's just a bargaining chip. And hopefully, Penn State got a large influx of money from the tournament, from the Big Ten tournament, from the actual tournament. You know, winning a game, making it to the second round. So hopefully, there's a large influx of money, maybe nece- not necessarily from like media dollars and actual winnings on the court, but maybe they get a large influx of booster money. Like we actually have a guy. This is a guy that we want to keep and we want to keep this thing going. Like we see consistently being a top five team in the big 10 perennially making the tournament every year. So I think if we can get enough buy-in, I don't want to say you can buy loyalty, but money talks. Yeah. And I think Penn state's proven with a winner. They have a, pretty loyal fan base. So it'll be interesting to see what decision he finally makes and where that stands with Penn state, because having to go out and get and find somebody else is going to be a hell of a lot different um, than Michael Shrewsbury staying and continuing, continuing upward. But for right now, let's talk a little bit more about some other stuff. We'll come back from this quick break and talk about the rest of the weekend. What was good? What was bad? If there was anything and the rest of what happened in the Penn State sports world. We come back on the Lashing Out podcast and the Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. This is the bright spot of the podcast. If you're still listening. Penn State did, in fact, win. I know it doesn't quite seem like that with the way we're talking about Penn, with potential coach leaving, but they beat AM 76-59. Andrew Funk was on fire. Jalen Pickett was doing Jalen Pickett things. 
And man, they just look so good. They did. And how fun was Thursday night? 10 p.m. tip. If you didn't work on Friday or you just committed yourself to just being dead ass exhausted like I did, Friday night was, or excuse me, Thursday night was an absolute blast. Anytime they passed Funk the ball, it was going in. Really, his second three pointer miss was at the end of the shot clock. So it was just kind of like throwing up, like hoping to get rim. So on shots that he really tried, eight of nine from three. Like, you're not going to get much better than that. And uh, I kind of wish they'd save some for uh, Saturday night. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, you, they, they they fought and it was a lot closer than, than I think people expected. Um, but at the same time, Dylan Dissu did a great job just dominating. And, you know, he averaged eight and a half coming into the game and then just went off for 28. And that, there's not much you can do. And that was a game where, you know, Texas missed a lot early. They were kind of feeling each other out. But they did a great job of figuring out Penn State's ball screen offense, and they did a great job on Pickett. Pickett, I thought, was frustrated all night, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, when you can get a guy like that frustrated, that he got into some foul trouble too. But, you know, that was the Miles Dredd show. He did a great job, you know, from the field and from beyond the arc. But at the same time, you know, you tip your cap and shout out to Texas, horns up or whatever. And you move on. And it, and it sucks to see, you know, players like Jalen Pickett be done, Andrew Funk, you know, guys like that, um, because they were fun to watch. And and I think that's really the biggest takeaway from this year is the amount of buy-in now for Penn State basketball. Those guys brought Penn State basketball back the way it should have been back, you know, in that 2020 season when Pat Chambers had them ready to go for the uh, for the tournament had COVID not happened. Um, but at the same time, you know, Jalen Pickett's up there with now Lamar Stevens and Tony Carr and and guys like that 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 helped change the tone uh, of Penn State basketball. Now, can they sustain that? I think they can if Shrewsbury stays. But again, kudos to those guys for making it as far as they did. And you know, you you hope for them, hope for the best, and and see what happens because I think really Funk. Pickett and Winter all could be playing in the league someday. Yeah, and like you said, credit to Texas. Uh, Dylan DeSue had made five of Texas's last field goals over the last four four and a half minutes. Other other players were making um, free throws, but five of six field goals. I mean, just absolute dominant performance. And that's kind of what Penn State struggled with all year. You saw it against Purdue. Kind of saw it against Illinois. They couldn't. Def- they're not. They weren't tall. They weren't long. And Texas was like, "We got two guys at six ten. Let's defend them." Dylan DeSue happened to be the one they couldn't defend, and it's just kind of how it, just kind of how it had to happen. And um, credit to their defensive strategy too. Double team. I mean, Pickett. We saw it in the Texas A and M game. We saw it all tournament long. The double team was coming low and in the paint, and then we we're Penn State was kicking it out to the shooters. Texas yeah. said. You're not you're not penetrating. You're not getting in the paint. Your shooters aren't going to beat us. It's going to be Jalen Pickett to pick, to beat us. And Jalen Pickett had seven turnovers. So yeah, kind of a, not having any. Yeah, kind of an unfortunate ending to his career. Um, definitely, you could tell the pressure was up. I think the first shot of the game for Funk was like, uh, like he like jumped in the air and he was still sliding right 
it was in his spot, but he was still sliding right as he shot it. So like just drifting. I mean, you could just tell like the nerves were there. The spotlight was really big. No one, you and I expected him to be there, but not too many other people, especially Charles Barkley did not expect them to beat A&M. So for them to even get to the second round and even have a shot. I mean, they were up one Fung had a chance to put them up four from the top of the key brick. And then they were down one Fung had another chance to shoot a brick. I mean, they built a whole Lego house from three. Um, but that's how it goes when you live and die by it. So hopefully next year they, they can do well. Hopefully Shrewsbury stays. They do well in the transfer portal. Um, they got a really young roster after all the seniors leave. So it'll be fun to watch them grow. Maybe not necessarily next year, but we could be talking in a year or two. No, and they're I, here again. Like, Maybe they're like, in sweet 16 next time. Yeah. And, and anything's possible now. I think that's the other thing too. And I, and that's the beauty of March. The basketball is great. It's a lot of fun. Watching Purdue get bounced by FDU was awesome. Um, you know, former NEC guy myself at Robert Morris. I love the Northeast Conference. I love watching it. It's a blast. Um, but this is where the coaching comes in handy. This is where you find out who the coaches are because Texas had a day to prepare for Penn State, just like Penn State had a day to prepare for Texas after beating AM. So that you you'd watch the film, you you give everybody fits, but this is where the coaching matters. Because you've got to know you've got to know what the other team's going to do. Your advanced scouting's got to be beneficial. They prior to prior to Saturday night, they hadn't played each other in, as far as the two programs are concerned in history. So there's not really a lot of familiarity. But now this is where you see the coaching really, really come to fruition and come to the top. Because like Penn State, their mantra was believe, which I love. I'm a big Ted Lasso guy, so. Anytime you I see that I have a I have a poster in my in my office at school, believe right, and when you believe in the people around you, they will do great things. When you when you feel that belief, you think that you can accomplish anything. And you I and I'm going to use Fairly Dickinson as an example, right? So before when they won their first four game, and let's keep in mind and I. I, I'm not. I don't want to bash Purdue because Purdue is a is a really good team, but at the same time, they lost to a team that, let's be real, wasn't even the best team in their conference. Because in the NEC, you know they have Merrimack. Merrimack's won the NEC for the last few years, but they're not eligible because they made a jump from Division Two to Division One. You have to sit out four years as a probationary period for God knows whatever reason. It's the NCAA, so it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so whatever. So. They lost to, um, they lost to Merrimack in the NEC championship game, but they were still the winner. They still got the automatic bid that the NEC gets. Last conference in the net rankings, second best team in the worst conference, and they still went out and beat Purdue. They won the first four game, so they were one of the first four on the bubble, one of the last four teams in, right? And their coach after the game said, "The more I watch Purdue." more I think we're going to win. Listen, I don't, I don't that think came out on beats. Tuesday. That came out on like right. Tuesday before the week. Like his team was like, let's go. Right. Like, and, it was a and great rallying you, cry. When you believe in your team, when you believe like that, you know, that put Purdue went, whoa, whoa, whoa. They were like, oh, we're going to use that as fuel. And that's fine. And I do think that Purdue beats them probably eight out of 10 times or nine out of 10 times. 
But that one time was the game that they beat them. And when you have that type of belief, you can accomplish great things. You saw that with Penn State. They played tournament games really the entire last half of February into March, and it showed up in the tournament, both Big Ten and NCAA. You see these these smaller schools. Never has college basketball been this tight. This the the amount of parity because of the portal and because of everything um, with the COVID the COVID year. Everything there's so much parity now, and I think it's great for college basketball. And I think we're seeing more competitive tournaments. That's why we've seen teams like UMBC win beat number one seeds. We see teams like Virginia blow it. We see teams like Purdue lose to a high seed because there's parity now. But we're also seeing coaches that believe in their team. And that's not saying that Matt Painter doesn't do that for Purdue, but they're seeing now how to beat Purdue, right? Because Penn State put that blueprint out there. And that's, you know, that's where coaches make their money. And it's in March because teams see what's going on, how it's going, and boom. They they lay it out there. The teams lay it out there for them. And I think that was the best part about Shrewsbury is those guys fight for him. He like like he said after the game, Jalen Pickett didn't need to stay. Seth Lundy didn't need to stay. Miles Dredd didn't need to stay. But they stayed and they got as close to being champions as they possibly could without winning. Yeah. And uh one last thing on Purdue. They didn't get eat they did not get Edie the ball the last nine minutes. He had zero field goal attempts the last nine minutes. So yeah, shout out to FDU for uh beating Purdue and then advancing yesterday. Uh, but man, Purdue, what a disappointment! What a what a disappointment for the Big Ten. Yeah, Penn State and Northwestern were the only two teams in the conference to win their game. Round one, yeah, game. and that's and they put eight teams in. It's crazy, right? And that's kind of the that's kind of the bo- the bad thing about it, right? Like, like you expect them to play better, and they just did not. And it was, I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but it, it you expect a little bit more, but at the same time. Hey, got to go out and play the game. And, you know, the Big Ten Championship, the Big Ten champion, one of the top four seeds in the tournament, lost to a 16 seed that didn't even win their division or, or win their conference. And that's, what, that's no knock to Tobin Anderson. Tobin, I think, you know, seeing and learning a little bit more about FDU, I think is a great coach. I think he's – and this is his first year. So I think that's that's kind of crazy too. We mentioned champions, right, in Purdue. But let's get to the national champion, Penn State wrestling team. You know, they had two individual national champions. They had it wrapped up before 11 o'clock, around 11 o'clock on the day of the finals. That finals didn't start until later that night. So you had Carter Sirachi winning at 174, Aaron Brooks uh, winning at 184. And then he had a couple runners up. Eight All-Americans total. Like, Penn State wrestling is by far the best dynasty in college sports, if not, you know, all of all of sports, to be perfectly honest with you. The, the amount of winning that they've had under Carol Sanderson. I talked about coaches show up in March, and that is Kale's time to, time to shine as a coach, getting his players and his wrestlers ready for big-time matches. Yeah, if you can win – 10 of 12 national championships certified dynasty. The Patriots didn't do that in the NFL. Great. It is the NFL, but I mean, you want to compare it to college football, Alabama's best 
Alabama's best streak isn't 10 of 12. I don't know what Nick Saban's record is in terms of uh, national championships and games won, games lost over how many years he's been at Alabama, but it's not 10 of 12. Um, so shout out to them. Really, that's Penn State's brand. Like you said, Carter Storacci and Aaron Brooks, national champions. The three runners up were Levi Haynes, Greg Kirklevet, and Roman Bravo Young. Kind of a disappointment that uh, Roman Bravo Young lost. I believe that would have been his, was that going to be his fourth national championship in four years? I believe only five wrestlers in history have ever done that. Uh, more people have walked on the moon than uh, four peated as national champions in wrestling. So that would have been a cool feat. Uh, I think ESPN had that stat, so I'll give them credit for that one. Uh, so I saw, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we were talking about stats, and and we talked about Penn State as a whole over the last 12, 14 years, right? Since Gail Sanderson took over. Since 2021, Penn State has had 14 NCAA finals. The next closest is Iowa with four. Like that, those numbers are absurd to me. The next two actually are Iowa and Michigan. They both had four. Like that to me is is, is an insane stat. Yeah, as far it's... as their dominance goes. I mean, you're going to draw the best talent. Wrestling's not the biggest sport, and it just seems that Penn State has an absolute stranglehold on it. So, yeah, congrats to Kale Sanderson, and uh, let's see if they can go 11 and 13 next year. Now, of course, it's not over yet for certain teams. Penn State hockey got their bid to their tournament, NCAA tournament, the Frozen Four, if you will. They'll play in Allentown. Uh, this weekend, a Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, against Michigan Tech. Winners most likely going to get Michigan in the next round or next um, next game. But Penn State, again, makes it. They, they did not do well in the Big Ten tournament. In fact, it's been a couple of weeks since they played. But they made it to the big dance. Or I don't know. Or the, I, I don't know what you call the big dance on ice. Um, but they're there. <laughs> And and I'm interested to see if the rest has helped them. Yeah. Um, like you said, Michigan Tech, Friday night, 5 p.m. That's going to be ESPNU. Actually, the TV coverage this week. Um, like you said, in Allentown. So if you're in PA, especially if you're over by Philly, just do the quick little drive up to Allentown. Go check them out. Um, and then, yeah, if they do win both games this weekend, likely against Michigan on Sunday night at 630 would be the next round. They'd get their first trip to Frozen Four in program history, which would be in Tampa the following weekend. So really exciting stuff for hockey. Um, not really a big college sport. doesn't have a large following. So if you found yourself here and you haven't checked them out, the hockey tournament's always fun. College hockey's really fun. If you've never been to a game at uh, Pagula Ice Arena, you're missing out. So, yeah, check them out. Speaking of good atmospheres, let's talk about football when we come back for the final segment on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I am Jared. Kevin, finally, we were talking about football, right? It's spring ball is underway. Last Tuesday marked the, the first day of spring practice. 
And it was a really cool moment before spring practice got off. Deion Barnes is now the defensive line coach. Um, PJ Mustafer campaigned for him at the combine. The players loved him. He did a great job on the recruiting front. And a former Penn Stater now is leading that that position group. And I think that's exactly what the doctor ordered uh, as they replaced John Scott Jr. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the video of it, uh, Coach, Coach Franklin went to introduce the D-line coach, acted like he was going to go out in the hallway as if the new D-line D coach was out there. And then he turns around and goes, wait a minute, he's already in here. And all the players obviously knew that that meant Deion Barnes was there, was, the, was named the new D-line coach. So really excited for him. What an ascension. Really only been a coach for, what, three seasons now? Already a position coach from a grad assistant in three years. Um, incredible ascension. And I kind of like what James Franklin said. That job wasn't given to him. He proved to the coaching staff, the rest of the coaching staff, proved to Manny Diaz, proved to James Franklin himself that I want that job and I deserve it. Interviewed well. Um, I think it's good for the program to keep that higher internal. Sure, they could have gone external. I think what I can't remember who we talked about. I think the Texas A&M defensive line coach would have been a great hire, I'm sure. But promoting a guy from within, it gives you, it gives your grad assistant something to stay, something to strive for, and really starts to build that culture. Plus, you have the familiar familiarity with everybody on the roster. So late in the coaching cycle, it's it's March now. Um, spring ball is underway. Do you really want to bring a new coach in? Do you really want to start from ground zero with recruiting and whatnot? So I really like to hire. I'm really excited for Dion. Um, I saw him his senior year at Penn State. So playing and now it's cool to see him come full circle now as a full-on position coach so yeah practice starts back up again tomorrow for week two of spring ball and we're less than a month away from the blue white game that's right and you know we talk about penn state we talk about football all the time and, and this is the this is the stuff that makes it so special you know Dion barnes had a great career at penn state um goes on now he's a, a position coach at his alma mater, which is a really cool situation. So Penn State, we talked about spring practice, uh, and we'll get to some of the things that I saw at practice last Tuesday. But Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays up until the blue-white game, um, for the most part, is when Penn State will be practicing. Um, obviously, winter workouts going on, or still other workouts are going on as well, but that's when they'll be on the football field. Um, and then in April, it starts – Tuesday, Friday, and then they have four practice, three practices leading up to the blue-white game, April 15th. But when you talked about going out and earning it, and and that brings me to the quarterbacks. And you've got Bo Prabula, you've got um Drew Aller. Drew Aller, and you've Jackson got Smolik. Jackson Smolik, and they are going to get some reps this spring. James Franklin's never going to to give his hand. Um, this dude is probably he could probably bluff a nun, um, or get a nun to bluff. But it's just one of those things where he's never going to tell him tell you all the secrets. So these guys are going to get their reps, quote unquote. They're going to split them, and see what happens. You know, the running back room's strong, the receivers room is getting stronger. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how this how they develop and. I mean, I mean, I would love to sit here and say we're going to see a lot of Drew Aller um, on the field, but at the same time, it's spring. The last thing you need is him to not be ready for the fall. And 
it's yet another year in Mike Yurcich's offense. We actually get to hear from Mike Yurcich um, on Tuesday at practice. Um, and every Tuesday, we um, we get to see Penn State practicing. We get to see a couple different things there. But at the same time, we also get some availability with coaches and players after practice too, which is an inside look at the program. And that's something that Penn State typically doesn't or hasn't done in the past. So that is good. Tuesday night, we get um, Mike Yurcich, we get Franklin, Yurcich, Daquan Hardy, Kobe King, Keontae Lambert-Smith, Zaki Wheatley, uh, Sal Wormley. So we get some we get some good good numbers of, of players and, and a coach to to talk to, which is something that they really haven't ever done as far as I've been covering the team. I've been doing that since 2016. So we'll have a lot more Penn State football coverage here, you know, coming up now that that's going on. And then Pro Day is Friday. We get to see guys, you know, test and and go there. Participants are Barney Amore, Jair Brown, Sean Clifford. P.J. Mustafer, Jake Pinnegar, Joey Porter Jr., Juice Scruggs, Chris Stoll, Brenton Strange, Jonathan Sutherland, Nick Tarburton, Mitchell Tinsley, and Parker Washington. So we'll get to see those guys perform. Some of them weren't invited to, to the Combine. Some of them didn't perform at the Combine. But, again, more football content to come, thankfully. Yeah, football is finally back. Sorry, we are a football podcast. We still are at our roots, but – uh. Had to drift there away there for a little bit. Uh, and one more football thing that we haven't covered yet. Uh, the Legacy Plaza. Um, if you saw it this week, I guess last week at this point in time, uh, the university announced they're going to be honoring every football letterman uh, in a plaza likely to be at the south end zone of Beaver Stadium. So they're doing like a little crowdfunding campaign. If you're a letterman, you can buy a brick and you'll get the letterman logo on there. Uh, but if you're just a fan, you can buy your paver. Not a plugging for it. Um but if you haven't seen it, I think it's cool. Just something to honor, honor everybody who's played through 136 football seasons that they're going to roll through. So that'll be a cool little addition this fall. Yeah. And we talked about that when we talked about things we changed at, at Beaver Stadium um, and like something like that. Um, so that'll be neat. Uh, hopefully they can tie it into the All Sports Museum. I think that'd be really cool. And I think that's what we, I think we did mention going to the all sports museum on game days, which would be really neat, but it'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop as they develop things around the stadium, um, which is really cool because making the game day experience that much more um, exciting for fans and even fans of all ages from toddlers up to senior citizens, I think it is huge because it's so much more than just a great atmosphere to tailgate. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the renovation. That's kind of, it seems like it's kind of like phase one of the revamping of uh, Beaver Stadium. So maybe this came out of the uh, strategic review, if that's what we want to call it, for Beaver Stadium. So I'm excited to see how that'll look. I think it'll be uh, a very nice addition to the stadium. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the progress, too, um, come April 15th. But for right now, our review has been over of the Penn State athletics programs from basketball to hockey to wrestling to football. Let's call it a podcast, Kevin. Yep. We'll catch you guys next week. For Kevin, this has been Jared on the Lashing Out Podcast, Nittany Sports Now Network. We'll talk to you all again next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. <laughs>